Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn and has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hello and welcome to the first episode of Where To Go, your 30-minute quick personal guide to the world's best travel destinations. Each episode will see us speak to a local expert about what they love about their city or country, the best things to do, how that destination is recovering from coronavirus, and crucially, when guests may be able to travel there again. I'm James Atkinson, online brand manager at DKI Witness, and this is Lucy Richards, senior editor at DKI Witness. Hello. I got your job title right this time, Lise. Yes, thank heavens, James. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and today we are discussing Italy. Yes, the land of Dolce Vita. So here you'll find truly mouth-watering landscapes, undulating hills, vineyards, veiled in mists and lapping azure waters. Not forgetting the country's truly staggering collection of striking cities, all punctuated with their own imposing cathedrals and weathered piazzas and all dripping with art and history. It's no wonder Italy usually welcomes 50 million visitors every year. For a land famed for its Roman roots, Italy is a fairly young country, unifying in 1870. And yet in spite of this, Italy has more UNESCO World Heritage Sites than anywhere else on Earth. Italy's story is as dramatic as its landscapes are diverse, but fast-forwarding through history to 2020, Italy hit global headlines around February and March as being an epicentre of coronavirus after the initial outbreak in China. So, here, today, we've got someone to help talk to us about Italy reopening. It's so lovely to see the country slowly recovering and reopening. Uh, so, we're joined by Tony DiBella, a freelance writer living in Orvieto. I hope I've pronounced that right. Uh, historic... Yes, you have. <laughs> a historic <laughs> medieval t- hill town near Rome. Tony's work has appeared in publications such as The Telegraph, an Italy magazine, as well as in our very own travel guides, um, including... It- and I hope I'm right about this, the recent DKI Witness Sicily. Yay! Uh, And Tony also (laughs) runs the blog Orvieto a Bust, her personal stories of life in Italy. So welcome, Tony. Hello. Hello. Welcome, welcome, Tony. How are you? It's so lovely to have you on. Thank you for having me. Oh, this is really exciting. Um, So I'll briefly explain the format of um, what we'll discuss today. This is our very first episode of Where to Go. So uh, we're going to be looking at the past, present and future of Italy with Tony, understanding what makes it such a unique destination 
how it's been impacted by coronavirus and how we may be able to visit there again in the future. So with no further ado, let's, uh, let's <laughs> delve into the past. So we're discussing Italy with Tony DiBella. Um, so Tony, can you tell us a little bit about when you first moved to Italy and how did it happen? Well, actually, this was my second try. The first time <laughs> was in 2008. Um, didn't go very well. I was here for five months, had to regroup, mm. leave, get a bit more organized. Mm. And then in 2012, I moved back in earnest and I've been here ever since and um, really love it. First time around, were you in Orvieto the first time around? Or was it- I was, okay. I was, yes, okay. yes. And what really drew you to Orvieto? Why did you want to move there? Well, as many things do, it's an accident. Sometimes <laughs> things find you as opposed to you finding them. And um, about 2001, I came here just as a vacation spot, a base for traveling around Italy and um, really liked it, met a few people, got to know the city, was here for a couple of weeks, rented an apartment. Um, and then a few years later, I decided that I wanted to study Italian mm. in Italy. Mm-hmm. And of course, I knew how to get here from Rome. I knew some people. I knew my way around. Yeah. So I signed up for a month of language course. and. As things happen, I kept coming back year after year and um, I went home and I would work, 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 work so I could get back to Italy. And this went on for a while and it became quite clear that I wanted to be here yeah. more than I wanted to be there in you know, in the States. So I finally made the move. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, so has, has the passion for Italy been a kind of lifelong thing or was it was it that first vacation that really kind of you know, sold it to you? Well, interestingly enough, my family um, is, my grandparents are Sicilian. And so I had a hybrid experience living in the States next door to my grandparents who spoke broken English, who mm-hmm. had, who were um, Italian in, they had never really become Americans in the way that my father, who was born in America was. Um, so I had this sort of experience, but I really wasn't, as a child, that curious about Italy. Mm. It just sort of was always part of the cultural family gatherings, the food. But um, it wasn't until in my 40s when I came to Italy and just it, it really felt like something that's so familiar to me, so natural to me. And I think it was because I'd had that sort of Italian-American experience. Yeah growing up that um, it just made a lot of sense to me. And I really liked how I felt being here. Yeah. And so, yeah. So then pretending that we don't know anything about Italy, how would you <laughs> briefly introduce it and, and what can visitors kind of expect? That's a I big mean, question. Too. Yeah, big, big, big question. It is a big question. <laughs> <laughs> because I don't think there are many people in the world that don't know something about Italy. Yeah. Everyone has their sort of iconic images of the Colosseum, yes. Audrey Hepburn on a Vespa, yes. um, the Leaning Tower of Pisa, pizza. These things are all true about Italy. It's a beautiful country, yeah. um, which is why so many people love coming here. But there's something underneath that pretty face that I think really brings people back again and again. There's this, 
it's really hard to put your finger on. This is sort of a bewitching quality that people yeah. feel something here mm. um, that's beyond just being beautiful. Yeah. Um, in fact, during the pandemic, I was watching a lot of movies that I'd seen many years ago. And one of them, I don't know if you've seen Enchanted April. I've never uh, seen it. I, I've, I have, I, I've read the book. I don't know that I've seen the film, but I've oh, read okay. the book. And But you know, you know the premise. Yeah. And it is so true. This group of Londoners decide to take, let a house together yeah. and they're transformed by being in Italy. And I think that that's an experience that a lot of people have. So to me, Italy is, is the, um, the dolce far niente, the sweetness of doing nothing that people, you know, come here for that lifestyle, that, that way of life. So yeah, it, I think that's what Italy is to me. I have to say, I mean, I have, I'm sitting in my room in London and I've got a huge um, Italy print next to me it just it does have something about it doesn't it I, I I find that also all my all my loved ones know I just keep returning to Italy it has something incredibly mm-hmm. magical about it um from the food and the art and the architecture and the history it's just and the language and you just spoke a bit of Italian there Tony and it was beautiful yes, it's a really beautiful musical. language it's yes. very musical you're right it's um it's got something about it I think there's um there's something about Italy never lets you down as well it, it like you know it you'll say it's kind of ingrained in kind of pop culture and it's, you'll see it in so many TV shows. Uh, I mean, I can think of um, like two massive ones. I may destroy you and normal people over here in the, in the summer that both have Italy as like a kind of a, as, as true, a destination yeah. that they go to. And mm-hmm. it's one of those places that, you know, what you get when you, you're going over there. It's not, it's never disappointing. There's, there's something about the culture that spreads throughout uh, from Rome to Turin to Sicily like it's a it's a hugely diverse country but there's so much there's a there's a kind of way of life there that really doesn't disappoint well it hooked me didn't it yes exactly (laughs) exactly uh so what what kind of um uh so when you came back in was it did you say 2015 or 20 2012 2012 um so I'm coming on my eighth year did you sort of start travel writing straight away did you um, I sort of started it before I came here just with my blog and did a lot of copywriting and then sort of slowly started writing for uh, different websites as I started to sort of get my bearings and um, it just sort of evolved from being here and moving around the country and um, I started going on press tours and, yeah. you know, just learning the craft. Yeah. So I was going to ask, Tony, um, tell us about, do you have some favorite travel stories sort of from your various press trips or just general traveling around Italy? Do you have any kind of really sort of standout moments? Well, there's one in particular, and it it happened to me um, the first, my first trip to Italy. Um, we landed in Malpensa and got on a train to go to Venice. So this is my very first time in Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, at the time, I had a companion who was Italian, who I met in San Francisco, but he um, was born and raised in Italy. So we got on the train. It was raining. It was just a gray, rainy day. And it was August, so that was sort of strange. Um, so we got on the train, and we're traveling to Venice. And maybe 10 minutes before we arrived at the main train station, the clouds started to part a little bit. But as you come into Venice, you know, you don't really see Venice mm. as you approach it from the train. So you pull into this very dark, I don't know if they've if it's lighter now, but it was a very dark 
train station with the iron archway. Yeah. So it's just, you're in a tunnel, right? You're in a tunnel. So we got off the train and walked towards the doors and pushed open the railway station doors. And the sun was shining and there in front of me was the Grand Canal in all its glory, in bright blue skies. It was like, i sorry, I keep referencing movies. I'm sort of a movie buff. I felt like Dorothy coming out of the house into Oz, into Technicolor. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. It was just my first glimpse of Italy and it was Venice. That was quite special. Probably all fell into place. You were like, yes, this is it. I've arrived. This is why everyone loves Italy. Yeah, Yeah, I can understand It was the wow factor. Yes, Yes, definitely. I mean, Venice in the sun as well. I remember kind of the same thing, like coming out of a gloomy train station right into, you know, bright whites of the streets and then like kind of blues of the canal water and stuff. And also just a little note about Italy in general. I have never seen skies more blue. Yeah than in Italy. Yes. I just, sometimes it's just a normal day and I look up and it's just like sapphire blue. Yeah. It's just, it's incredible. I am. I went boating on Lake Garda a few years ago and um, that's exactly my memory. I remember the water, Lake Garda being an incredibly deep, sort of Mm. deep blue. And and then the sky was just enormous sort of a never-ending and some and the mountains even seem blue and that's exactly it I can remember <laughs> I can it's what you know when sometimes you can sort of transport yourself back to a place and boating on Lake Garda I can transport it back to and, and yeah it was mm. exactly as you said just beautiful electric blue so on a sort of scale well on a percentage level how much time do you in a normal year spend in Orvieto and how much time do you spend traveling around Italy well every year is different obviously I've been stuck here for a while. Um, I wouldn't say that I'm, I probably travel maybe every couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not the kind of travel writer that's always on the road. Mm. I'm a homebody. So, um, so having a base is yeah. really important, I guess. And yeah, it's home. And also there's a lot to see and do in this area. Sure. Umbria. I'm very close to Rome. So it isn't really traveling for me to jump on the train in an hour I'm in Rome and with lots of friends. And so, yeah. Is it quite near Florence yeah, as well? Or Vieto, is it? Um, two and a half uh, hours to Florence, but it's on a direct train line. Okay. So it's a super easy also yeah. a little bit farther, but directly jump on the train and right there. Yeah. And if someone was visiting Italy for the very first time, would you tell them to go to Rome or Orvieto or Florence or where, where would you tell them to go? I mean, it's quite, a, that's, <sighs> that must be quite a tricky one, right? That's a... It's tricky. And I think it has a lot to do with the kind of person that you are, mm-hmm. you know, to recommend something to someone, you have to kind of understand what kind of traveler they are. Um, if, you know, the, a lot of people come and see the big three, which I wouldn't necessarily say is a bad idea. If it's your first time and you want to see the iconic places and you go to Rome and you see, you see the Colosseum and the Forum and the Pantheon yeah. and then you go to Rome and you see David and the Uffizi and then you go to Venice and you see the canals and St. Mark's. I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea mm-hmm. if you're someone who wants to hit the highlights um, if you're someone who wants to get that little dolce vita, yeah. then I think basing yourself in a place like Orvieto is a perfect base because it's right in the center of the country and you have some time and you can do a little bit slower kind of travel yeah. than I think staying in a 
hill town or a smaller um, city is another way that you can do it. And just choose a region and sort of stick to it and not spread yourself too thin. Sold. I'm looking up flights. <laughs> Expect me in two weeks, Tony. <laughs> okay. I have a roll away, so don't oh, worry. Perfect. perfect. <laughs> So now we're discussing the present and obviously we know that Italy was particularly badly affected by coronavirus being Europe's epicentre for the virus at one point and with a very strict lockdown eventually put in place. For context we're recording this in late July as Italy looks forward to welcoming visitors back to the country but we're going to take a little look back now at what the last few months have been like and what Italy is like today. So Italy was badly affected by coronavirus with the first case reported um, around the 31st of January and then spreading quickly throughout February. Tony, what do you remember about that time? Oh, wow. It was quite something. So Lombardia was terribly affected Mm -hmm. and they had locked down one day before the whole country locked down. And I remember there were lots of people on the street the day before and we were oh, it's going to be okay. You know, it's just the flu. You know, people were still sort of in denial about what was going to happen, but it was getting worse and worse. And we could see that it was serious. And the next day we wake up to the president, well, the prime minister of Italy saying we're in lockdown. And overnight it was like the zombie apocalypse on the streets. It was just no one. It was really strange. Um, it was shocking. I'm still sort of in shock, I think. Mm. Um, it was very traumatizing, but everybody banded together. And, um, there were days that maybe four or five days, I wouldn't even walk out of my house. Um, I learned to use all of my food (laughs) before I'd go to the grocery store again. Um, it was, it was just surreal, but, um, we got through it and numbers are great now and mm-hmm. people are wearing masks and they're social distancing, but things are, are so much better, but it was a long two months, yeah. I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. How did Italy react to the lockdown? Were people kind of in fear or, or were they, was there sort of a feeling of unity? What was kind of the public response? Well, you know, Italians don't have the big, the best reputation for following rules, <laughs> <laughs> but actually that's a bum rap because Italians will follow rules that make sense to them. Yeah. So they, they are very community oriented. Um, family is very important. Friends are very important. And I think the solidarity of protecting each other overtook any sort of characteristic of not wanting to follow rules. Yeah. As I said, my friends will run a red light, but only because nobody's coming. Yes. So um, <laughs> it's a very Italian analogy. And so, yes. <laughs> so you know, when when something important happens, uh, people work together and protect each other. And I think that that the response that Italy had was I was just phenomenal, and I'm so proud to have been part of that. I really am so impressed with the way that people responded. Yeah. And so, um, so 
how's lockdown been personally for you what have you been doing have you found anything new <laughs> to take on or any kind of uh or, or have you started pro- new projects or well actually lockdown is is finished now we're at phase three mm. um where everything is open mm-hmm. um but there are restrictions you have to make reservations, pre-book restaurants, because you can't have as many people. Most people are eating outside because it's summer. So that really helps. People are wearing masks in public, um, but we're pretty much doing everything now. But during lockdown, um, well, first we didn't have masks because of course all the masks needed to go to medical workers. Mm -hmm. So I spent my days hand-making masks, oh, <laughs> so nice. that was fun, with tea towels <laughs> that I had gotten for Christmas. Right. Um, yes, I organized all my cupboards, yeah. um, you know, um, just trying to find projects to do. It was hard because you couldn't go to the craft store, so you had to sort of make do with what you had. Um, Zoom calls were big at first, but that got sort of tiring. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I live alone, so it was challenging um, in some ways, but in some ways a family of four, probably they had their challenges as well. So um, we all made do and um, talked to each other on the phone. Thank goodness there was communication. So. Mm. And have there been sort of, you know, any, you know, you sort of said about you making masks, which is a wonderful thing to do. Have there been any kind of good news stories or kind of coronavirus heroes sort of coming out the woodwork from from lockdown? I think I saw a video of a Italian opera singer singing on his balcony, for example, to, ch- to cheer up uh, some neighbours. Has there been anything like that? Well, there were a lot of things like that during the lockdown. Um, I think the biggest impression that I that I had was the medical workers in the north of Italy and mm. how um, incredibly overwhelmed they were and how heroic they were. Yeah. Um, that to me was just, just unbelievable. And now they're, you know, their ICUs are, are Corona free. So it's really been a hard fought battle and yeah. um, Italy's winning, you know, we're doing really well. I crossing my fingers um, we've opened up and our numbers continue to steadily, slowly go down. Yeah. And that's a really great sign. So, cause I guess yeah. like in, in Italy, part of the, one of the strangest things must've been that initial shock because obviously, you know, we'd heard about, uh, things in China, um, and yeah. had the kind of threat of it coming over here, but Italy was the first place where it really kind of took off and those medical workers won't have really have known what to prepare for. I mean, I guess over in Britain or Germany or everywhere like that, we kind of at least had an idea of what you guys have been through. But yeah, that must have really knocked you sideways. Yes, it was it was quite something to behold. But, um, you know, we learned a lot and um, we all kind of like I said before, we kind of banded together. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, and um, now we're on the other hopefully on the other side of it. Nobody really knows anything about this virus and what Mm. will happen in the future, but we're all, we're all just not, we're being cautious. I think Italians are being cautious. We're still wearing masks. We're Mm. still not touchy. We're not hugging and kissing each other. We're, we're careful. We're careful. We don't, we sacrificed a lot in those two months and it was the strictest lockdown in Europe. Mm. And it really was, you couldn't go more than 200 meters from your house 
if you had an animal, you really weren't allowed out unless you had a really good reason or you were buying food or medicine. So um, it was a lot to people to sacrifice. And so we don't want to that to be for naught, you know? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Um, and you kind of touched on things opening up a little bit now, and uh, which is brilliant. I mean, I think certainly from speaking from experience over here, it was so relieving when things mm. started to to open up again. How 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 has it been? And like, how long have things been open for? And is everything open or are some things still kind of gradually come, uh, opening? Well, we, we gradually opened. So I'm, I think it was May 4th or May 3rd. I'm not mm -hmm. sure now, um, was the first phase and we could get food to go and we could go to a bar and get a coffee one at a time and take it home. So there was, there was slowly, we could, we could do things like that. Um, then phase two, we could go inside a bar, but we had to maybe two people and you had to stay far apart. Yeah. Um, now we're at phase three cinemas have opened, um, theaters have opened, um, restaurants in, in mm -hmm. and out. Um, and so we do have tourists. It's really interesting in the last few weeks, um, Orvieto at least has been busy, not completely full, but lively. Um, there are people here, travelers from Europe, from Germany, from Northern Europe. Mm -hmm. um, soon UK will be coming. Hopefully. Yes, to, yes. to visit. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm booking my flight, as I said. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, people are traveling in, and staying within Italy and trying to support uh, local tourism as much as we can. Yeah. So. Is there quite a lot of um, uh, are people planning holidays, are Italians planning holidays now? Are they kind of looking at sort of domestic travel, going to different parts of Italy, or are they thinking of going elsewhere? Well, my friends are going on short trips to the sea. Mm -hmm. um, not, you know, everyone, not a lot of people have been working. So there's that sort of balance between, you know, you haven't been working, so money is tight. But people are going to the sea or going camping or trying to stay within Italy if they can, I think. I think we're we're all a little bit shell-shocked, um, traumatized. So I think it takes a while for us to step out and move around. We were not even allowed to leave our city when the lockdown happened. Mm. And then slowly we could go outside our, our municipality, but we had to stay within the region. Then we could cross regions so now that we can cross regions people can move around a bit more and that's so it's been very like gradual that. very bit by bit in a way yes mm. which i think is great i think um italy planned organized it very well yeah i think it's working so for those travelers who are starting to kind of come back you know from germany mm. and and sort of neighboring countries as you said what can they can they expect anything different from their experience so i'm assuming things like booking ahead at restaurants wearing masks in public, is there anything else that they should kind of be sort of aware of? It doesn't seem like it's really um, hampered people's enjoyment. Um, I mean, it's a mask. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, as long as you're, when you're sitting down and having an aperitivo, you just pull it down over your chin and, you know, yes. <laughs> just enjoy your aperitivo. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it seems like people are enjoying themselves and... Um, doesn't seem to, I I haven't seen any pushback. No. People yeah, people are happy to just be here and enjoying the beautiful weather and 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so in this section, we're going to look at the question, what next for Italy? So after coronavirus, well, fingers crossed, uh, we, you know, how is the country coming out of this? How are travelers coming back? So, Tony, what are your kind of main hopes for Italy after coronavirus? Well, before coronavirus hit us, um, there was a big concern about mass tourism. Hmm. You know, Venice, um, oh, of course. it was a was a huge problem in Venice um, and in Rome and in Florence, um, just all over. Mass tourism had been on the forefront of the travel industry talking about what to do. Yeah. So I think that one of the maybe silver linings mm -hmm. that may come out of this tragedy is that perhaps we won't go back to quite that same situation that maybe we can start thinking about being more sustainable yes. in our travel. Um, people I think are looking at, as you said before, slow traveling People, I think, are, when they come back to Italy, might want to do what we talked about before, which is maybe stay in small towns um, instead of going to big city centers and maybe just going day trips and not flooding um, Italy with too many people at once. I think that that would be a really positive outcome. I mean, we want, Italy needs tourism. Mm, sure. It needs those dollars coming in um, or euros. Yeah, mm. we don't not want them. Mm. We want them for sure. But I think that there's a way to do it that works for everyone. And is, has there been, have some of the places that suffered from over-tourism been able to kind of recover a little bit during this time in a in another sort of silver lining? So we mentioned about the water in Venice before. And um, mm. you're saying it's kind of, it's blue again, basically. It's, uh... Yeah, it's, yeah, they could see fish during um, coronavirus. They could see fish in the water because all the gasoline from the boats yeah. and mm. had sort of dissipated and the cruise ships aren't going to be coming back in mass the way they were. So there's some improvements, I think, that were forced because of this. Um, a friend of mine today called me from Rome. She was at the Trevi Fountain and there were only 20 people there. Gosh. Whoa. I can't even imagine so, that. That's a... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so plan plan to get here as soon as possible <laughs> because I think because I think um I think coming to some of these historically crowded cities like Rome, you know, you can actually experience Rome like a Roman. Yeah. And I think mm. that also this pandemic has allowed people who live in these cities to actually enjoy them for yes. the first time in years. Yes. So, that's so true. Um 
Yeah, I think that that has been also a, a positive outcome. So then do you have any future travel plans? Because, uh, you know, you, you've been in Orvieto in lockdown. Are you hoping to kind <laughs> of to escape a bit more? Are you, have you, are you heading anywhere, Tony? Well, I don't have any plans right now. I think um, because I'm from the U.S., my mom, who's 90 years old, she's in California. Okay. And mm. um, I'm sort of kind of waiting to see when I can go back there. Sure. So sort of that's my priority. But within Italy, I think I won't, of course, want to go back to Sicily. I had a trip planned um, in April, which I had to obviously bag because of the virus. Um, so I think within Italy, I'd like to, the first place I'd like to go would be south to um, Sicily. Wonderful. And Sicily has actually yeah. been in the news a little bit of offering incentives to mm. tourists coming back. Um, and so are there kind of any sort of clever schemes, incentives for travellers available across Italy right now? Or is that Sicily one kind of ended? I, I don't really know what's happened with I that. I don't know if it's ended. I, I've, it's, it was, there was talk of it at the early on. I don't know if, if it's still um, happening, but I did read a little bit um, the other day about how they're still planning to offer discounts and airfare, bonus nights at hotels mm -hmm. and um, sort of a, a voucher system. And the government is also talking about a scheme where they will give Italians 500 euro to travel within Italy. Okay. Lo low income households so that they can have a holiday, mm. um, have a bit of a bonus and um, take their families and enjoy their country. So that's, that's really nice. I think that that's really important. Yeah. So then how about looking ahead to 2021? Do you think what will be different then? Do you think people will start to kind of be more ambitious in their travel plans? I it's hard to say. I mean, yeah. I, I can't mm, predict, is. but just from, from the chatter that I hear from all the, you know, the Facebook and social media, you know, people are chomping at the bit to come back to Italy. Mm. So I, I think that we will recover. I hope we will recover. I mean, personally, I've seen so many love letters to Italy on social media and, <laughs> right. uh, yeah. you know, people really kind of eulogizing about amazing holidays there much as yes. you know me and lucy were doing this before the, before this yes. episode yeah lucy's already booking Gushing her about, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Absolutely. i'm <laughs> making my rollaway bed right for good tony that's what i like to hear thank you very much i mean i think it's been it's been about four or five years since i was last in italy and i'm, I'm so oh, keen to, to go back um yeah that was yeah. sardinia as well which is slightly yes. different to the mainland oh yes um nice but yeah i think i think there's certainly a lot of people wanting to go that back there and i think you know, fingers crossed, all being well. I think 2021 will hopefully be a big year for, for travel and for Italy as well. Here, here. <laughs> so that just about wraps up our Italy episode. And thanks so much to Tony DiBella for joining us and telling us all about Italy. Um, Lucy is already booked and gone. And exactly. See you in a few weeks, Tony. Yeah. I'll bring my face open. mask. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, we're all looking forward to buying Tony's face mask as well. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, huge thank you, Tony. Thank you for uh, talking to us in our very first episode. And uh, you can read some of Tony's writing on her blog, Orvieto or Bust. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And thank you so much. It was an honor. Oh, thanks, Tony. Thanks, Tony. See you later.
Bye-bye. Bye. Ciao. To get closer to Italy yourself, our DKR Witness Italy guide is now available. Find it in all good retailers or on Amazon via the link in our episode description. In the next episode, available in two weeks' time, we'll be visiting Sweden with award-winning photographer, travel writer and slow travel expert Lola Akimadi Orkestrom. Can't wait for that. That's going to be so good. Me too. I'm so excited. So that about wraps it up for, for the Italy episode, Lucy, and our very first episode. Very well done. Yeah. Yeah, in lockdown. Well done, In James. lockdown. Yeah, we're recording this remotely, so do forgive us for any sound quality issues. But <laughs> I think it's been fun. We've been learning a lot as well and yes. can't wait yes. for next time. Thanks, Lucy. Thanks, James. Ciao. Ciao. Where to Go was produced by the team at DKR Witness and presented by Lucy Richards and James Atkinson. For more information about DKR Witness, follow us on social media at DKR Witness or visit dk.com forward slash eyewitness. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.